a new approach to build trustworthy IT systems, and when a ransomware attack is not a data breach. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chavro. We start off today's report with new guidance from the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's known as Special Publication 800160, titled Systems Security Engineering, Considerations for a Multidisciplinary Approach in the Engineering of Trustworthy Secure Systems. Unveiled with much fanfare this past week, the guidance received unprecedented news coverage for this publication in the mainstream media because it was promoted as a way to mitigate distributed denial of service attacks that exploited Internet of Things devices such as baby monitors and video cameras. Those devices were hijacked in a recent DDoS attack on a domain name system that prevented access to popular websites that upset millions of Internet users. Though the makers of IoT devices can use the guidance to build more secure products that can't be commandeered by hackers for DDoS attacks, then this publication offers so much more. It details an engineering approach to build secure, trustworthy systems, including its components, such as IoT products, mobile devices, and the cloud. Simply, trustworthy systems deliver what they promise and not behaviors that are unintended. And the guidance explains the engineering principles to build those systems. Here's NIST fellow Ron Ross, who, as the lead author of the report, spent a significant part of the past four years developing it. There are just so many places where we're pushing computers to the edge. They could be medical devices, they could be industrial control systems and power plants, they could be financial systems, and all of those are driven by software and firmware. And so to be more trustworthy, we have to care about how that software and that firmware is developed using secure coding techniques and trying to reduce the number of vulnerabilities that exist within the software. And that becomes a little bit more challenging as our complexity increases. We bring more devices into the space and we incorporate more components into our systems, not just in the Internet of Things space, but in general, in our enterprises, we're, we're bringing massive amounts of IT to help us be more productive, and that complexity translates to greater attack surface, which means your adversaries have more opportunity to do damage to you as you try to execute your normal business and mission operations. The guidance will especially help in the design of new systems and products, but Ross says it also should be helpful to chief information security officers and others responsible for maintaining existing systems. Usually these legacy systems are in a constant state of upgrade. So you're bringing in maybe a new operating system upgrade or you're bringing in a new database management system or you're adding some routers or whatever the components might be. There's an opportunity as you bring new components into the system. You can use the guidance to determine if those components that you're bringing in have a level of trustworthiness that's needed for the criticality of the mission space or the business functions that you're carrying out. It works best when you're starting from scratch and building a new system. But there's a reality here that uh, says that you know sometimes systems are evolving over the course of the system from when you first bought it to all the upgrades you go through through the entire life cycle of the system. The guidance can be applied in that way, and you can, you can then uh, try to focus on the components within your system that you have find out which of those make you most susceptible to cyber attacks or things that could affect your mission or business, and then try to make smarter choices when you're buying upgrade components. You can buy components that are more trustworthy and things that will make the enterprise more secure. That's this Ron Ross discussing new guidance on building secure, trustworthy systems. Next up, 
ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk explains how some mobile devices sold in the United States were shipped containing spying code. And what's being chalked up is an awkward mistake. Upwards of 120,000 Android phones sold in the U.S. at shops including Best Buy and on Amazon.com shipped with spying code that sent text messages and call logs to a server in Shanghai. The finding came from a mobile enterprise security company called Cryptologic, but as far back as two years ago, researchers noticed odd code in some Android phones. Cryptologic found the code on a device made by Blue Products, which is a Florida-based company that makes lower-end Android smartphones that sell for as little as $50. Blue uses software from a Chinese company called Shanghai Adapts Technology. The software is nicknamed FOTA, which is short for Firmware Over the Air. The software manages the delivery over mobile networks of firmware, which is low-level code deep in an operating system that often has high access privileges. It's critical that this type of code is verified and contains no software vulnerabilities. The code transmitted fine-grained location information and allowed for remote installation of other apps. It also sent text messages and call logs every 72 hours to the Shanghai server and once a day for other personally identifiable data. As opposed to most Android applications, the code never informed people it was collecting the data, a behavior that's uniformly viewed by many as a serious security concern. As far back as two years ago, other researchers had warned that the AdUps code was riddled with serious software vulnerabilities and that it possibly had intentionally placed spying code. Blue Products has now updated its phones to remove the spying code, which most likely would have never been detected by regular users. AdUps has apologized, contending that the code was intended for another one of its clients who requested better blocking of junk text messages and marketing calls. By mistake, it ended up on blue devices. The findings in part shows the risk that can come in opting for cheaper smartphones whose manufacturers may not diligently fix security vulnerabilities. It's also raising eyebrows due to the connection with China, which is frequently sparred with the U.S. over cyber espionage. The greater worry is that these situations may sometimes not be simple mistakes. Security experts have long warned of the ability of advanced adversaries to subvert hardware and software supply chains. So if you're in the market for a cheap smartphone, it's advised to check out the manufacturer's security record and patching regime. Otherwise, you may be in for a surprise. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Should a ransomware attack be classified as a breach? That question isn't an academic one. The answer has legal ramifications. Joining me to address that question is my colleague, Marianne Kolbesak-McGee. Marianne is executive editor of Healthcare Info Security. Welcome, Marianne. Hi, Eric. In a ransomware attack, after all, a hacker inserts malware on a computer system to prevent access to it until a sum of money is paid to unlock the system. And in most instances of ransomware attacks, no personally identifiable information or other sensitive data are pilfered. First, Marianne, ransomware attacks are a significant problem in healthcare, right? Oh, indeed it is. A growing number of healthcare entities, including Hollywood Presbyterian and reportedly MedStar earlier this year, have been victimized by ransomware attacks. What are the rules in reporting cyber attacks? Under the HIPAA breach notification rule, covered entities must notify affected individuals and the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, which enforces HIPAA, 
of breaches involving unsecured protected health information, or PHI. For breaches affecting 500 or more individuals, notifications must be provided no later than 60 days following the discovery of a breach. However, under the High Tech Act, which updated the HIPAA breach notification rule, in determining whether a breach needs to be reported, covered entities and business associates must first conduct a four-factor analysis of the incident. Do these reporting requirements include ransomware attacks? In many cases, but not necessarily always. Remember, entities don't have to report a breach if analysis of an attack shows that there was a low probability of a compromise of PHI. But what does compromise mean? Devin McGraw is Deputy Director of Health Information Privacy at the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, and I spoke to her recently at the ISMG Healthcare Security Summit in New York City. What happened in ransomware in the very early time period where we were just starting to hear about healthcare organizations getting attacked, there was a presumption, no exfiltration of data in these cases, therefore not breach. And that was short-sighted because it didn't take into account that, in fact, the hacker in a ransomware case takes possession of the data. So that is access under the breach definition. But that's not the end of the story either. You still need to do the low probability of compromise analysis of which certainly determining whether or not the data were exfiltrated is is one factor to take into consideration. Given that the HIPAA security rule requires you to protect the integrity of PHI, you also need to look at that as a factor in terms of whether or not the data were compromised. If an organization pays a ransom, does that mean it must report the breach? Well, the payment of a ransom is not the determining factor. Often, reports about a ransomware attack reflect just a slice of what a victim revealed in its investigation. Here again is McGraw. Frankly, the devil is always in the details with respect to whether or not there is a need to notify because the low probability of compromise test is not met. With that limited amount of information, it's hard to tell, but the presumption is notification is required. The low probability of compromise is just a determination of whether you don't have to notify. In most circumstances, if the breach definition is met, which in many times in a ransomware attack, it would be, the presumption is notify. As ransomware and other cyber attacks on the healthcare sector continue to surge, many more organizations will be faced with the challenge of determining whether these incidents are reportable breaches that do indeed require notification. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time. 